The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome back to the show. It's David and Isaac, Hoop Ball Grizz. Our first, I was going to say postseason, but it's like they were in the postseason, so I don't, offseason episode. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're getting here. We're going to talk a little playoff basketball, then we're going to get into some draft prospects. It's draft season. Last year was my first year really diving deep into the draft. The Grizzlies, at the time that I started doing research, did not have a first-round pick. So I really got to get down in the dirt and learn about a lot of guys that I normally would not have known. Um, Isaac, have you always been like a, a draft guy that goes pretty deep into it? Uh, like I always kind of knew the probably the top 10 or 15 guys, and then past that I didn't really care. Uh, yeah, I, I just didn't keep up with it. How, how, how are you on that? Are you all, have you always been a deep dive guy or no? Yeah, man, I've, I've always been a draft guy. This has always been one of my favorite times of year, man. I'm excited. Not that I wanted the grizzly season to be over with, but now that it is, I'm ready to dive head first uh, into the draft. And I mean, I'm all the way looking at second round prospects. This has always been a one of my favorite times of the year. Uh, just watching film, looking at different guys, even even guys that probably on on the radar for the Grizzlies. I still kind of kind of like to t- go through and, and look at look through these prospects and and kind of kind of break their games down. So I'm excited. Yeah, man, th- that is I will say this after last season, it has definitely transformed me into more of a draft person. And you definitely have the upper hand in this because of you covering the Tigers. Some of these guys yeah. that we're going to talk about you've had to cover or got to watch or whatever. And, and I've said it on here before. I don't watch a ton of college basketball. Um, not because I, I, you know, I can watch anybody play basketball. I love the game, but I, I just, to be honest, I don't like the NCAA in the way that it's set up. I, I feel like it's robbing a lot of these kids of what they could possibly make. And there's just a lot of, um, well, I'm just going to stop there. I'm not going to go too. I'm not going to go down that path. But there, there's a lot of stuff there that I think is wrong, and I feel like watching it is supporting them. And I know that's not always the case, but anyway, that's why I don't watch a whole lot of college. But I think that's going to change, especially yeah, it's going to have to. The the more that I get into this draft stuff, the more I'm like, I'm gonna have to start watching more college basketball. And I used to, I used to love it. You know, growing up, uh, Vince Carter, uh, Antoine Jameson, the the. Uh, Oh man, I was gonna say Ty Sedney, but he was UCLA. Um, man, I cannot think of his name. It was a guard. He came to the league and he was stupid fast, like he was crazy fast with the ball, without the ball. Can't think of his name right now, man. It's gone. But anyway, you know, like I, I used to love watching college basketball. Uh, UNC was my team. Followed them. You know, I, I had a friend growing up, and that was uh, that's who he followed. So I'm like, all right, man, I'll just cheer for them. I don't really have a team, so here we go. And they had a lot of people that were worth watching in college for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it, like you said a minute ago, man, there, there are a lot of things about college basketball and college, college athletics with the NCAA that has to change. I think, I think we're on the way to seeing that change. I think with what we're seeing with the G League and guys – able to get paid and go overseas, I think they're gonna have to make a change, or these these kids are not gonna, not gonna go to college anymore. I mean, they these kids are going to college for the opportunity to be a pro in, in most situations, and if they don't have to do that, there's not gonna be any reason to go there, really, any incentive. So I think 
I think in the end, I think the NCAA, if they're going to continue to make the money that they're making, I think they're going to have to make changes. And I think that's something that's going to be that we're going to see sooner rather than later. Yeah, they they make the NCAA makes a ton of money off of these college athletes. It's ridiculous. They can, man. Th- th- they can still make money, make plenty of money off of the college athletes, and allow these, you know, allow the 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 people that are be you know because what what is it like ninety five percent of the the student athletes don't go on to become a professional athlete. Yeah, something like it, that. Yeah, you know, being a pro is you know you're the the cream of the crop. You're the best of the best. And so why not allow these these guys and girls to to make money while they're there? Um, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But I want to talk a little bit about uh, about the playoffs, man, and the the two two things in particular. The East is really what I'm looking at. Do you think that there's any chance anybody knocks off the Nets? They're up two zero right now on the Bucks, <laughs> essentially without James Harden. Harden played what I think uh, like maybe four minutes into yeah, the game one four or five like minutes that, yeah and then went out with a hamstring injury and then they just beat the face off of them well, almost by 50 125 to 86 do you think there's any chance that uh that the bucks turn this around or that philly has a chance to beat them no i, I don't think so at all and i've really never been a big believer on the bucks being contenders. I know what their regular season record is. I know what they do. Even when they went out and, and added uh, Holiday. I mean, I thought there was a mistake. I said at the time, it was like, if, if they're going to pay in a small market, if they're going to pay what they're paying for Holiday, this better be a move that puts you over the top. And I know they wanted to show the commitment to Giannis that they were serious about doing this. But they're a really good team. But I just when they get to the playoffs, it's just something about this team. The semifinals is just, they're kryptonite. I don't know. And I think this is going to put booting holes on the hot seat, but now they're down 2-0. I mean, we're almost down by 50 points last night, and this is without James Harden. Um, they go back to Milwaukee, they're down 2-0. I think in order for the Bucks to have a, a chance in this series, I think they have to win both of those games, and I just don't see I don't see them winning both. I just don't see them win, beating this next team two times in a row. I mean, again, you doing this without James Harden. If I were them, I'd probably rest James Harden for these couple games, because I think they've proven that they could beat this team easily without him. So there's no reason to rush him back. And when you look on the other side, I think the Hawks and 76ers, I think they're just playing for the right to lose to the Nets uh, on the way to the NBA Finals. And I, I don't see anybody beating this Nets team. And a lot of people were saying, and I kind of put a poll out about this, do you think this Nets team can still beat the Bucks team without James Harden? And a lot of people say no. But I think that's discrediting that they still have two of the greatest players in the world and KD and Kyrie Irving. And KD is looking like, best player in the world, MVP KD right now. I mean, he's just on another level. And I, I just don't see anybody beating this team. And going to the playoffs, I probably wouldn't have said that. But I think right now, if I had to pick, I think the Bucks win it all. I mean, not the Bucks, the Nets. The, the thing that surprised me the most about them is all season, it didn't look like they had an ounce of defense in them. Oh, man, and their defensive rating has been off the charts. And, and they've been great in the playoffs. And maybe that was just kind of a, you know, we're not going to show all of our cards in the, in the regular season. And then we're going to ratchet it up. But you know, these got Kyrie and, and Durant have both been here before and Harden has to, obviously, you know, he, he's not playing because of the injury right now, but these guys know what it takes to win. Harden's been right there, you know, 
knocking on the door. And I, you know, I think barring some injuries, like if that Rockets team stays healthy, maybe they beat the Golden State. I man, I I don't know, but he's been there and he's been right on the cusp of breaking over. So he knows what it takes. You got two guys, more than two, but you know, two leaders on that team that have won titles and know exactly what it takes. It's just, it's crazy to watch. I was definitely, I was one watching them in the regular season. Like, Hey, when you get to the postseason, defense matters. If this is the type of defense they're going to play in the postseason, it's not going to get them there. You know, the, the game slows down each position, each possession means something. But like you say, I, I, I was guilty of, looking past the fact that they have so much talent. Yeah, and I, think and, in the, know, I was going to say, in the end, talent wins out. And that's another thing about this team is you look back at the regular season, these guys haven't even played a lot together. I mean, mm-hmm. they've guys been in and out of the lineup. James Harden's out again. But I think in the end, it's, it, it's just about talent. And like you, going to the playoffs, I just didn't think defensively this team would be good enough to, to make it all the way out of the East. But, I mean, looking right now, I think, you, again, talent, talent wins out, and you're looking at the Bucks right now, and I, I just don't know if they have an answer. And, and the Bucks, it's a really good three-point shooting team, and I think that I put it out last night on Twitter. There's something like 13 of 49 from three for the series. That's just not going to get it done. Well, I mean, Chris Middleton's Bucks, played terrible, man. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's been. He's, he, they need him to step up. Somebody outside of Giannis has to step up, and he just mm-hmm. has not been that guy through the first two games. Now, go back home. It's going to be a completely different series. I said this yesterday. I could be completely wrong, but I. I think they have to win both of these games. If they lose both of these games, I mean, if they if they don't, if they they got to they got to. I mean, I, I think they got to win both of these games to to have a chance, obviously. But I, I just don't see them being able to do that. I think at worst, I think the Nets get a, a, a split, and I don't. It wouldn't surprise me if they swept them. It, it really wouldn't. I think the Bucks get a game at home, but I also wouldn't be super shocked if they swept. Them. Yeah, I mean, the way these first two two games have fallen, it, it's it shouldn't be a shock to anybody. You know, this second game was just, I don't feel like the Bucks were really ever in it. Outside, you know, past the first quarter, the Bucks just could not get any traction in this game. Uh, you know, they lost Dante DiVincenzo, which doesn't sound, you know, like a lot, but he was he was good this year. Yeah, it's really and, good. And, you know, you go back to the preseason when somebody leaked that trade to Woj and he shared it and then they got into some trouble because there was not supposed to be anything official before this date and they miss out on, on uh, Bogdanovich and you look at how well he's playing for Atlanta right now, what kind of impact would he have on this series? Would he be enough to get them over the top? I don't know that he would be, honestly, but you know, there's there's a lot of what-ifs for this Bucks team and – I think Budenholzer is probably the biggest part of it, man. You look at game one, look at the minutes played game one. Harden, or, um, KD and Kyrie were both over 40 minutes. Had Harden not hurt himself, he probably would have played over 40 minutes. Giannis, Middleton, and Drew Holiday, 35 minutes. You can't do that, man. You you cannot, you know, and he comes out and he's like, oh, you know, we, we've got a lot of depth on this team. We got, yeah, it's- you know, <laughs> no, no, depth is good. Depth is good. Depth helps your star players not be Less completely in the fatigued yeah. Whenever, yeah, whenever you get to the playoffs. But when you get to the playoffs, rotations are shortened. 
and that depth, it it doesn't matter if you're you're matching up. Your depth is good against other benches. Your depth is not good against Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I think the Grizzlies Grizzlies found that out uh, that it doesn't matter as much in the in the playoffs. You get in the playoffs, and these lineups matter. And mm-hmm. Budenholz is running these backups out there, and they got KD and Kyrie on the floor, and you're running second string guys. I mean, it's just not going to work. I mean, it's just you have to live and die with your star players in the playoffs, and he just hasn't shown the potential to make adjustments. And I think we've seen this in this series. I mean, you if you have to play these guys 40-plus minutes, that's just what you have to do. And if you lose that point, you just tip your cap. But, again, he hasn't made the adjustments, at least not in his first two games, and he doesn't have a history of doing that. So it wouldn't surprise me if we kind of see the same thing in games three and four. Game one in the 76ers Atlanta series goes to the Hawks. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think the Hawks have what it takes to beat this 76ers team? Man, I, I was surprised. I mean, that's not what I expected. If, if MB played and he played and played well, uh, really well in that game, played major minutes, and they were still able to, to go into Philly and take game one, that, w- that would really surprise me. Uh, that's not what I was expecting. Actually, I didn't even think this Hawks team would get past New York. I mean, New York with a uh, very disappointing performance there in the, second, in the first round uh, against the Hawks, but – I, I just, in the end, man, I just, if, if Embiid is healthy for this entire series, I, I think Philly, Philly finds a way to, to pull it out. But I think the Hawks are going to be a much more more of a test for them than I thought going into the series. But if I had to pick right now, as long as OB, Embiid is healthy, I, I think the Philadelphia 76ers end up winning the series. All right. One more question for you, and then we'll move on from the playoff stuff and get into these draft picks. I'm itching for it, man. Do you think that there's any team in the playoffs right now, East or West, that has a shot at beating the Nets? With with or without Harden, you can you can give it both ways. Is there Man. anybody alive out of you got eight <laughs> teams left here? We talked about pretty much everybody in the East, and you feel like they're coming out of the East. Do you think that Utah or the Clippers, you know, Phoenix is playing great basketball right now? Do any of these teams have what it takes to beat the Nets team? Man, it, it's just tough, man. When you have KD, Kyrie, and possibly James Harden, uh, I hope he's able to come back and, and play in these games. If you have no, if you have those three guys, I mean, I just think offensively, that's just too much talent. I think Utah, probably Utah, the Clippers. I don't think Phoenix matches up well, even though they're playing really well. I think Utah, the Clippers, uh, probably match up better against them defensively. But and I, I would probably give Utah the best shot out of those teams. Just because of what they can do shooting the three and, and defensively what they what they do. But I, right now, I think the Nets are going to win it all. Um, and I said that yesterday on Twitter, and I just don't see any of these teams beat them, especially if James Harden is healthy. I mean, it's just too much for you to deal with to kind of try to guard and match up with those three guys. I, I, I just don't see any of these teams doing it. Um, and kind of look at, at, at the West, I'm not as intrigued with the Clippers as I was going in. Um, you just kind of see some of the stuff that happened in the first round. I think we're going to see – my pick, I think it's going to be Phoenix and Utah in, in the Western Conference Finals. And I, I think Utah comes out. I think we're looking at a Utah-Brooklyn matchup in the finals. But I, th- I think Brooklyn's going to win it. Uh, and, again, going into the playoffs, I wouldn't have said that at all because of just like what you said, the way that they play defensively. But they've been off the charts, at least in this series, against Milwaukee. And if that can continue, you get Harden back in there, uh, it's going to be tough. They're going to be a tough out. I don't know if a team can beat them four times. Yeah, I I thought that it would have been hilarious if the Clippers got bounced in the first round after they they were dodging the Lakers. 
I, I oh, think no the Clippers could have could have easily had the two seed. But they're like, you know, the Lakers are not going to climb, so we can just kind of fall back here and avoid the Lakers until the conference finals. And to me, I'm like, man, they're not healthy. I think if you're going to beat the Lakers, it has to be the first round. And and that's how it went down. You know, as as the postseason goes on and the days off in between and the treatments these guys are getting, maybe it doesn't work out to where they actually get healthy as as the games go on. But I'd rather face them in the first round because either you're going to beat them or you're you're not. And so that was Dallas and Luka gave them all that they wanted in that first round. Had Luca had any help outside of uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., you know, if Porzingis was any type of second option at all, the the Mavericks could have easily won that series. So I'm I think I'm I'm on the same page as you as far as the the Nets. If everybody's healthy, I think that uh, that there's not a team in the playoffs that can beat them. Um, I actually I think the Clippers probably have the best shot just because of the guys that they have defensively. Yeah. They can match up again. You know, you have you have Kawhi Leonard and, and yeah. Paul George who are both, you know, supposed to be great defenders that didn't necessarily show in the uh in the Maverick series with uh what Luca was doing, but that may have been their game plan, kinda of let him eat and just stop the others. And they done a great, you know, I, like I said, again, outside of Tim Hardaway Jr., there was not another Maverick that really done a ton in that series. Some guys played well. Dorian Finney-Smith played well. Um, you know, y- you had d- different guys kind of stepping up, but the guy that you needed to step up didn't. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't want to see the Clippers make the finals. Just, you know, you you guys know why. <laughs> if, you've been, if you've been a Grizzlies fan. Yeah. For any amount of time, you, you don't want to see the Clippers make it. I know that yeah. that rivalry is dead and gone. Yeah, different point, players, but, different faces, different coaches, but still, man, I, I yeah. still doesn't do not like that organization. Never will, and definitely don't want to see them in the finals. But real quick, man, before you move on to draft, something that you just touched on, uh, we were talking about Budenholzer and his seat getting hot. What do you think about Rick Carlisle in Dallas? He's not going anywhere, man. You don't He's think not. so? Okay. Who who do you replace him with? That's my question. He he's won titles. He knows how to get there. Who do you replace him with? I don't who know, is an upgrade I was, I was, out, I was, out of anybody that's available? Who's who's an upgrade over Rick Carlisle? I was going to say a lot of times it, and and that makes a lot of sense if you're thinking about it logically. But a lot of times, and and I, I agree with you. I don't think he's going anywhere either. But a lot of times in these situations, they don't use logic. I mean, they you'll have a coach that's done tremendous things but it's like more what have, what have you done for me lately you just kind of look at what's happened with the, with the playoffs I, I forgot what they're but it's a long streak of of them not having success in the playoffs mm-hmm. and you just they kind of look at that and be like oh well we just got to make a change i agree with you I, I don't think he should go anywhere i think he's a fantastic coach but there's, there's a lot of rumblings i know the fans aren't happy with him to, with the playoff record and they're they're, they're usually some scapegoat but a lot of times it ends up being the head coach even when it shouldn't be yeah, yeah, I mean, he can't. It's not his fault that Christoph Porzingis played like ass in that series. That's he. He can't control that. He can't go. He can't make Christoph Porzingis go out there and make shots. You know, he he can't. Like, there's adjustments and stuff that you can make in the series. But the thing that they took a a good Clippers team to seven games. It's to me. I'll say this. There's a lot of turmoil in Portland right now. 
if Carlisle gets fired in Dallas, if oh. there's any way you can salvage that locker room, Pick you up hire him. Immediately. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you throw the bank at that dude because your window's closing up there and it may already be closed at this point. Who knows what happens with Dame that like their GM is doing some crazy stuff up there. But if there's any way to salvage any of that and the Mavericks fire him, he is number one. You name your price. I'm paying you to come coach this team. And Dame has been loyal to Portland uh, mm-hmm. for, for a long time, but I got a feeling that that's about to change. I mean, he wanted Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd said he's not a candidate for that job. I got a feeling that the trade request is, is coming. I, I just, I think that team with him and CJ, I think they've gone as far as they can go. I mean, they went out and, and thought they had a final piece in Norm Powell, and, and, and you got to pay him coming up. I mean, for you to lose in the first round again, man, I, I don't know how you can run that thing back as is. I think they got to make some kind of changes, and they got some guys on some, some pretty hefty contracts, man. They got some decisions to make there, and it's going to be an interesting mm-hmm. summer in Portland. But I, I got a feeling Dame's going to eventually – Ask, ask out of there, uh, especially depending on what happens with the coaching hire. Because again, he wanted Jason Kidd, and I guess Jason Kidd is not interested in that job. I think he thinks he's going to walk into that Lakers job. We'll see what happens there. But I, 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 that, I think there has to be some changes up there. I don't think you can run that back and keep on losing in the first round and put money in the guys. Again, I, I like Norm, Norm Powell, but I was kind of against that move. I, I would have, I think I would have held on to Trent. I, I just think his shooting and, and some of the things, things, things that he brings, I, I. I mean, they're both really good players, and a lot yeah. of people would say Norm Powell is better, but I don't think I would have made that move if I was them. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting up in the Pacific Northwest for the Blazers this summer. That's definitely going to be a team to watch. Yeah, there's going to – there's a lot of talks. and I've seen Dame to Boston, and then yeah. you know, OKC has been another name. I see, been I see it, it's always, they always throw out the Lakers, which they're – I mean, what are you? Yeah. What are they going to move to make that happen? I mean, it's they not don't have happen. anybody. No, like, it's not going to happen. All, all of their picks were gone whenever they traded for Anthony Davis. Yeah, they don't have Kyle any assets. Kuz- Kyle Kuzma is not worth shit right no, now. No, no, he, he's been terrible. And somebody, I can't remember who it was. It was a, a big, like, mainstream media guy. He tweeted out Kyle Kuzma's stats, and he said if he was on any other team in basketball, you wouldn't know who the hell he is. And that's the facts of the situation. The only reason that you're having any type of conversation about Kyle Kuzma is because he is a Laker. That's the only reason. He's done nothing on the court to deserve any of the publicity that he's getting. Nothing. And that is, you know, as a front office and the decision-making for the Lakers, I know that Jeannie Buss really, really likes Kuzma. Made some terrible So she, you know, she may not, you know, it, it, it may not affect her at all. But anybody that knows basketball has got to just be like, Jesus, man, why did we keep him and get rid of Ingram? I mean, you had Ingram, you had D'Angelo Russell, you had yeah, Julius Randall, man, all these guys, they had on this team, man, and they chose Kuzma out of the young group young group of guys they had, and they that's the worst one out of the group that they could have kept. Yeah, I mean, that's a yeah, big-time mistake it, there, man. And that's, you know, the, the biggest thing that I was looking at was the AD trade, right? So there, there were talks that it comes down to like New Orleans wanted both of them and uh, the Lakers are like, no, we're not giving up both. And so they'll take either one. And, and I don't know how factual that is. That's just kind of hearsay. And, and the Lakers decided on Brandon Ingram good on the Pelicans for getting the better one out of the deal. You know, if they would have ended up with Kyle Kuzma down there, 
man, I feel sorry for Zion, but yeah. you know, it, it's, uh, I, I don't know. You know, you see Lakers fans throw that out there a lot. They can turn Kyle Kuzma and KCP into <laughs> yeah, Jason anybody, Tatum, anybody, you know, yeah, anybody. And, and that's, you know, you go back to what was it? Game three. It was game three or game four and Schroeder and KCP combined for zero points over 40 minutes on the floor. Can't have it, man. Schroeder declined a contract, you know, during the season thinking he can get more What's, money. I, I don't know what he and was after, thinking when turning that down, but I was like, what are you doing? There's no way after this type of performance that he's going to get an offer like that. No, I, maybe not even he close. does, but it, it's just, I don't think so. Me. Um, yeah, I don't think there. I will say there is a zero point zero percent chance that Dame Lillard is a Laker. I would be surprised if he ends up somewhere else because it's a lot of money. His contract is huge, man, and matching that contract is going to take some be tough. pieces. And this is this is the thing, like with the Al Horford contract. OKC could possibly make that happen. Yeah, it they makes got, a lot of sense. They got, they've got 700 million picks over the <laughs> yeah. next five years. I mean, and so they've got plenty of assets to get him. But you're not upgrading. If you're Dame Lillard, you're not upgrading. That's what I'm saying. OKC. Why would you want to go to OKC? That's the, that's the he, thing about it. They have the assets. They want to go somewhere. Yeah, they're not winning He's going to get paid. And that's, you know, I, I don't know. I will be shocked if he is not a trailblazer next year. But. That that GM has um, made a lot of statements that are very questionable, and, and I'll just kind of leave it at that. But let, let's get in these draft picks, man. Yeah, man, let's Who go. You got first. Uh, so the Grizzlies got the seventeenth pick, seventeenth yeah. overall pick in the first round. This, oh, sorry, excuse me, guys. Struggling over here. We're going to talk about uh, a bunch of different players. Some of the guys that we're going to cover are guys that may not make it there to, to 17. You know, th there's been talk. I know a lot of, uh, of, I've seen a lot of Grizz fans and even some of the media guys that like Corey Kispert right now on Tankathon. He's in the top 10. Um, you know, Franz Wagner from Michigan. There's been a lot of talk about him. Moses Moody. Th there's a lot of guys that we're talking about here. And, and we're going to cover. I won't say everybody in this draft because that's just like time wise. We probably won't have that, but like outside of probably the first six guys, we're going to cover them. We're going to talk about them. Um, at least all of the first round and maybe some of the second round. Do the Grizzlies have a second round this year, Isaac? I don't think they, they do. do they? they do. Yeah, they do. Yeah, I, think okay. it's, all right. I think it's Portland's pick. It's like a lot of different change hands. Different. Now. It's, it's tricky, but I gotcha. think they do have, I think it's like 52. I want to say, Okay. So, yeah. So yeah. it's way way on down there. Hey, yeah. we get we get to deep dive. I love it. Man, Let's get it. I man. can't wait. But we're, we're gonna we're gonna cover as many of these guys as we can, and I to to lead off. I, I don't have my favorite three guys here for the for the Grizzlies. There's a yeah, couple guys that I'm gonna talk about that I like, and I would love for the Grizzlies to draft. I don't know if they'll be there, but we're gonna talk about these guys, and then as we progress closer to the draft, we'll give you our top three, and then also what the Grizzlies, what we think the Grizzlies will actually do. Because just because we like the guy doesn't mean that the Grizzlies actually are going to value him in the same way that we do. Um, you, you know, you, you saw it last year with them moving. You never know. They may not stay at 17. They may trade out of it. They may trade up. Who knows what's going to happen. The Grizzlies have got um, a lot of decisions to make in this offseason. 
And to be honest with you, I think a swing at upside is really the way to go for them. They don't have to have a guy. They have been in a spot where they're drafting guys that have a high basketball IQ and can come in and make an instant impact. Yeah, and, and, and when I look when I look at this this draft, Grizzly at seventeen, and I, I don't want to put a damper on this at all, but I think I, I think there's two ways that I, I likely this plays out. I, I think there's a chance that the Grizzlies move off of seventeen. Was there? I think the and, and you look at the kind of the landscape of their all season. I think the Justice Winslow thing is big, and I, I think right now I think they pick it up full thirteen million. If you kind of listen to what Kleiman and and Coach Sinkin said during their interseason press conference when, when we talked to him and talked to the media, they sounded like Justice Winslow was in their future plans. And if they pick up that $13 million option, they're not going to have a lot of flexibility to do much in free agency. So if they're going to make a move, I think the 17th pick this, this season is probably one of their bigger assets that, that they can use the vehicle to do something with. So I could see them moving up because you look at the roster, they don't have a lot of room for a rookie, and that goes to the point that you just made, where if, if this, you're going to take a swing on upside with the way their roster is set up and where they are in development, I think an upside guy is, is definitely a, could be a play here. But I think you can see the move up to try to get a more ready-to-play prospect, or you can see the move out of 17 and make it part of a trade for a veteran. I think those are two things that we could see here. But if they stay at 17, like you said, I think some of these guys that, that might not be ready to step in I think fits perfectly with what they're trying to do. They, their MO has been lately of getting these seasoned guys and guys that are really ready to step in. You still could see that, but again, I, I think this could be a, a spot where they take a guy that we could see down in South Haven uh, grooming for, mm-hmm. for a season. And I think there are some guys right in that spot that fit that really high upside guys that could pay off in the long run. And I think some of those guys, and we're going to discuss some of those guys here, but I'm going to start off with, with Greg Brown, uh, the one-and-done prospect out of Texas. Uh, you'll be 19 on draft day. You'll be 20 by the time the season starts. I've watched a lot of him because he was a, a University of Memphis target. I covered the University of Memphis with rivals. Uh, so I watched a lot of him in high school at 6'9", 205. I mean, he's played a lot of, played a lot of the four at Texas, but I think he has the potential and athleticism to be a big wing in the NBA, which is something that I think if you kind of look at the needs of this Grizzlies team, I think that's one of their top needs. I think they need to get bigger on the wing. Uh, not extremely high usage at Texas. Uh, only averaged 9.3 points, uh, 6.2 rebounds a block, 71% from the free throw line, uh, 42% uh, from uh, from the field on 7.4 tips a game, uh, 50% from two, 50% from two-point range, shot 33% from three uh, on three-and-a-half attempts, and uh, 30 of 91 overall, which I think is an underrated part of his game. I think he could expand that, keep on working on that shot. The potential, potential is there. I mean, his shot looks good. Um, he's explosive, uh, above-the-rim type of player. Um, it's long, quick, uh, definitely definitely needs to get stronger at 205. I think he needs to get in the weight room. I think he needs some more development there and continue to work on his three-point shot. But, again, man, I like the form on the shot. The form looks good, so no problem there. Uh, really good at changing ends from transition. I mean, he's a, a gazelle. I mean, the way he gets up and down the court. Um, I like his potential to guard multiple positions. I think you can guard three, four. I think you can even play him at the five in some extremely small matchups, especially if he gets stronger. High motor, uh, defensively, really, really good shot blocker for his size, being 6'9". I mean, he has great instincts on that side of the floor. Uh, needs to continue to work on his ball handling his shot if, if he's going to play the three, which I, I think developmental-wise, long-term, I think you'd want him to develop into a big three, like I said. But uh, he'll need some refining in the, in, the, in the G League, and I think that 
kind of fits perfectly for what this team is doing. Send him down to South Haven, man. Let him let him develop. But I think he has extremely, extremely high ceiling as a three and D guy. And I like him to develop into a guy that can can play some small forward for you. And again, with his defensive ability and he continues to work on that three point shot. I mean, I think he's the prototypical guy you want on the wing at that size, six nine. He gets up to about two twenty, two twenty five, and I think you really have something there. Kind of a mode of clay, uh, still kind of raw, but uh, again, man, I think the Grizzlies have time for him to develop, and I'm a big, big fan of his, and I think he, long-term, I think he's going to be a really, really good NBA player. I think if you guys pay attention to one thing at all when we're doing this draft stuff, I want you to watch this. I, I, I learned this talking with Isaac last year. If you are under six foot six, he doesn't like you. You're not going to be a good NBA. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. Uh, Isaac likes size, and there's nothing wrong yeah. with that. I, I agree. Um, Greg Brown is great. Athleticism is, is definitely, to me, that would be his number one. Crazy fast for his size. I like his lateral quickness, and, and I I think that that bodes well. You know, if he gets if he's playing pick and roll defense, and he gets switched onto a guard. Um, yeah, he, you know, he can, he's going to be able to hold his own. Yeah, and so um, I, I kind of, you know, you, you like his shot mechanics, and that's something for me. I feel like his release is kind of slow, man. If you look, if you watch his shot um, when he's bringing it up, it's coming back by his ear almost every time. And like every time that I see him take a shot, the ball is coming up and it's coming back by his ear. And I feel like if he can keep that in front of him a little more, it, it will cut down the time on his release and that's going to make a difference in the league. Um, you know, you hear you want a quick release and I think that's why the, the Grizzlies, um, you know, and it looks like it broke Brandon Clark, but you know, the, the shot mechanics, that's why they, they talked with, with Brandon Clark and they were looking at changing the shot mechanics to get that release a little bit. Quicker. Hey man, hey man, Kyle Erdson, man. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, so it, it, you, you have a ugly shot and still, still, still be effective. Yeah, man. I mean, even, you know, Lonzo Ball ha- has been a huge turnaround uh, yeah. in his three-point yeah. shooting, and his form has changed a little bit, but it's still not it's a walking. prototypical <laughs> shot, and he, and he shot great from three this year. He was he was fantastic. Go get him, Grizzlies, please. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I really like Greg Brown. He's kind of all over the place on the boards that I've been looking at. I've seen him yeah. as high as, you know, like – just like post lottery inside like mid first round and then as late as you know like early second round so yeah, initially initially he was a, he was projected to be a lottery pick he's kind of yeah falling falling a little bit i mean and a lot of guys have done it this is a weird weird board this year it's kind of different than what you've seen in, in, in previous years i mean i think the middle of his draft from mid to bottom lottery on to the bottom of the second early bottom of the first early second i mean there's not really a consensus on where these guys are going. Just like you said, I mean, these boards are all over the place and you usually see more of a more consistency between different mocks, but not this year. Not, not at all. I mean, he's, I see guys like Johnny Suzanne got a UCLA is one for, for instance, I've seen him in the second round. I've seen boards that have been in the lottery. So, I mean, they're all, they're all over the place with, with, with some of these prospects. So it's going to be interesting to see who's there at 17. And I think that could be a big factor on whether the Grizz hold on to it or not. Yeah, as long as it's not Davion Mitchell, I don't care who they take, bro. I'll be, I'll be completely honest. Big riser, man. Big riser, Davion like, Mitchell. He, he, he played great. Tournament. Yeah, strictly off tournament performance. And, and I'll say this. I always watch the NCAA. I may not watch much regular season. I always watch the tournament basketball just because you never know what's going to happen. When, when you're going to have a, a team like 
Loyola Chicago coming out. You, you've never heard of anybody on the team, and then they get to the tournament and they play crazy and 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 get to the Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight, or whatever. Um, and, and he played fantastic for for Baylor in the tournament. So I can understand the the drive, like the rise from him, but I'm not convinced that he is a guy that's that's going to at six two. Yeah, yeah the, the, the height you know, is what, that's the, what worries me. The size, you know, if he's going to go somewhere where he's the the point guard, he's more of a scoring point guard than, than anything else. And so, anyway, we're not even talking about him today. But yeah, so as long as it's not him, I don't care. I I just think that I don't think that uh, the tournament, what he done in the tournament, warrants him getting drafted that high. I think that there's some guys around him that um, you know, like another guy that we're going to talk about today that that's generally lower on the board than him that would be better fitting in a lot of different places. But we, you know, we, we talk about Greg Brown from Texas. I say we go ahead and stay, stay in Texas right now. Well, real quick. And I, I hate to do this. I hate these NBA comparisons. Uh, you see up all these box and everything, but I tried to put one for each one of my guys and for Greg Brown, okay. one that Aaron Gordon is kind of the guy that I kind of came up with. Um, I mean, I don't love Aaron Gordon as a player, but I mean, I think if you could, Get Aaron Gordon at seventeen. I think you're you're happy with that. That's kind of the what you think you you would like him to develop into. I think that's the kind of guy. He's not a never gonna never gonna be a great three point shooter, but a guy that's capable. Uh, he's extremely athletic, uh, really good defense. So that's kind of the guy that I came up with. And not a not a, a a linear linear comparison, but that that's when I think about NBA guys, that's kind of who I came up with. Yeah, and, and it's really tough to do that. You know, that's I, I see it. The thing that kills me whenever you get those comparisons, eh, like somebody will be like, "Oh, Charles Barkley." Yeah, yeah. If you think they're gonna be Charles Barkley, that's not what necessarily what I mean. If you say you see Charles Barkley, I don't mean he's gonna be Charles Barkley. He's gonna be Michael Jordan. Because I think I I think who was that? I think uh, Marshawn Brooks, NBA Draft Mm -hmm. Dot Net had Michael Jordan when he was coming out for his NBA comparison. I remember that. I was like, "Man, are are you serious? The greatest player in the history of the game, Marshawn Brooks? You think he's gonna be Michael Jordan?" I'm like, "Okay." I, I just feel like I, I'm okay with your comparison. Like I, I'm okay with that. If you use current guys and kind of their play style and the body type and what the guy is doing, I'm okay with those type of comparisons. But some of these are just so yeah, outlandish. Out there. Yeah. So yeah. Um, that that's a lot, lot of stuff to like about Greg Brown. And and, and again, he he's a guy that I think that could he could definitely develop into a uh, a good NBA player and. He he's one that you you could send down to the G League. You could let him yeah. play in the G League, um, and, and just see where he gets, see what what he develops into, or they may not need to. Who knows what kind of yeah, you know, just what happens trade with the or, yeah, there, There's a lot of questions, so you never know what the need is going to be because you don't know who's going to be on the roster. They could easily just run it back, but I, I don't know if that's going to be the case. Uh, the first guy that I've got, I've got uh, Kai Jones. I'm just staying in Texas. He wasn't actually the first one I was going to talk about, but since we're talking about Texas, let's go ahead and stay on the same team. Hook them on. I think, <laughs> I think a lot of this, um, the, the the Longhorns had three guys that deserve playing time at that four slash five position, and that's why you don't see a ton of, uh, you know, like Kai Jones, his number is 13.9 points, 7.6 rebounds. Yeah. One assist, one point five block, one point three steals. There's nothing flashy about that, but you look at the amount of time that he played, and the amount of time that, that, that Greg Brown and Greg Brown had a little more time on the floor than 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 Kai did. 
but you know, in college, a lot of times upperclassmen will get the playing time, even though some of these younger guys may actually be a better prospect. Um, I, I go back to Patrick Williams from the, you know, for the bulls last year, he was a guy that didn't, or, or even a great example, Jaron Jackson jr. And, and you, you know, you were talking about that yesterday on Twitter of uh, Jaron was a guy that didn't get a whole lot of, you know, a lot of time at Michigan state, but they took him based off of what he could be, you know, the, the, the tools that they saw that they were sure of, and it worked out pretty well. It doesn't always, but you know, time on the floor and stats in college doesn't always translate into being a, a great NBA player. Um, Kai Jones, he's six eleven power forward center at Texas. Uh, the three things that I like about him for a guy that's nearly seven foot, he handles the ball incredibly well. Uh, you know, he's, he's not, uh, not guard skills by any stretch, but he, he can he can get up and down the floor with the ball just fine. Extremely athletic, his, his lateral movement, and I keep going back to lateral movement because that matters so much on defense. In, in a game that is filled with teams that play pick and roll, you've got to have good lateral movement to be able to defend that well, and that's going to be extremely important for this team. The, the Jazz destroy the Grizzlies in, in the pick and roll, and so, you know, you can't just build for one team, but it's not just one team. More than one team plays pick and roll. He was, uh, Kai Jones shot pretty well from three, 38%. Uh, it was low volume for him, but still from a guy that's almost seven foot shooting close to 40% from three, I'll take it all day. Three improvement areas from him. Um, he, he's kind of new to the game. He's only been playing for five years, so he doesn't have a ton of experience. That shows sometimes. Um, he'll miss reads. He'll be out, you know, out of place on the defensive end. Uh, so that that's something to experience. The more that he plays, the better he's going to get. His hands are not great. You see him missing some, uh, you know, when, when he's down in the post, missing some of the uh, the passes coming in, just kind of stone fisting it, honestly. And then, you know, at 6'11", 218, he doesn't have a lot of uh, muscle in the frame. So he's definitely got to bulk up. And that's something we talked about with, with Greg Brown as well. You know, just getting muscle. We have to remember that these guys, you know, uh, Kai Jones, he's 20 years old right now. They, they, they still got to muscle up. Like, that's going to happen. They're not fully grown into their bodies. So he's probably going to put some weight on. And I, I just, even though there's a lot of raw aspects to his game, I like what he brings to the game. The, the energy, <clears throat> he, he, I got the question. I was talking about Kai Jones and Isaiah Jackson yesterday. And somebody asked me about the trade that we talked about with Miles um, Turner, like getting Miles yeah. Turner to the Grizzlies. And they said, is, is Kai Jones Miles, like Miles Turner ish? And, and I said, no, not really, because Miles Turner is a rim protector. And there's a difference from being able to block shots, block shots and being an actual rim, rim protector. protector. Yeah. And, and Kai Jones is not a rim protector at this point. And I think a lot of that is because of experience. Um, you know, maybe he develops into that anytime that you're drafting a guy, there's no, as you can tell, go back and look over the last 10 years at the first round picks and how many of those guys are no longer in the league. There's no guarantee that you're going to hit on a pick, but I just like his tools. I like everything that he brings to the table. Yeah. I mean, Kyle Jones, it's, it's definitely potential, potential, potential with him. And he fits into, uh, that, that mold, like you said, if this roster, Really, it's it's constructed right now. Now, who knows what's going to happen throughout the offseason. But as it's constructed right now, they don't really have a lot of room to play a rookie. So, I mean, he's another guy that you can send down to South Haven, 
for a year or so and and, and develop. Um, and, and another guy we got we got to talk about him on another show that a lot of uh, Grizz fans are, are are talking about potentially Zaire Williams from from Stanford is another guy that's really all all about potential. I mean, you kind of see the the size and, and what he could potentially be, and it's it's intriguing because the ceiling is is definitely there. I mean, he hasn't really produced it, and, and Kai Jones is another guy like that. I mean, he's super raw, but but really athletic. He's long, above the rim player, uh, really quick for a guy's size, like you said. He's good in transition. Definitely needs to get in the weight room, get a lot stronger at 6'11", 218. Uh, not, not a good rebounder for his size. That, that's kind of one of my drawbacks with him. Um, but uh, 7.6 rebounds. What's wrong with eight rebounds a game, man? But I gotta bet. But I gotta bet eight. I gotta bet four point eight rebounds. Are you sure you got the right the right stats? For him? Uh, that's what's on Tankathon right now. Seven point six. Yeah, I gotta bet. Yeah, I gotta bet eight point eight points, four point eight rebounds. Um, I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. if, that, if that's the case, then that's because that that's not good. Uh, but that's that's the numbers that I have for him. But I mean, I, I think like you said, I mean he. Lateral quickness wise, and you see the tools are there. I mean, I think he could could really long term potentially be a, a, a good player in this league, especially defensively. I, I think you look at Miles Turner. I think scoring wise, I think he matches up. You say comparing the two, I don't think he's going to be the rim protector that Miles Turner is, but I think not being a big time scorer, but being a good defender, I think in that vein, I think he kind of matches up with with uh, Miles Turner in, in that way. So again, another raw prospect, and I think. Again, if, if you're gonna if the Grizz is gonna take a swing on, on a raw prospect, I think this is kind of the year for them to do that uh, because I think they have room. They don't really necessarily need another rookie. There's not going to be a lot of minutes there, barring uh, a, a trade to kind of consolidate this roster. So uh, Kai Jones is another guy you can send down to the South Haven and let him develop with the hustle. And again, I think he has a really really high ceiling as far, especially on the defensive end. You kind of look at what happened in the playoffs in the playoffs against Utah. You could really use a guy with that lateral quickness, quickness to be able to, to move his feet to guard that pick and roll, and Kai Jones could definitely potentially be that guy long term. Yeah, and again, you know, being that he's only played the game for five years, man, that that is something. A year in the G League with top level coaches, conditioning, the weights, all of that can can help build him. And I do want to apologize. You were right. the The stats on Tankathon, I didn't realize that they were per thirty six stats. And I was wondering, I'm like, man, what's he saying about his rebounding? 7.6? <laughs> yeah. I don't see anything wrong with that. But, yeah, I can get the concern there. And that is, you know, I think that Jaron gets better as he goes, but that's something that you definitely got to look at when you're building the team. You've got to have – you know that that has traditionally been one of Jaron's weaknesses, so you've got to try and build around that. And I think another comparison, if you could kind of compare to Miles Turner, that would be a comparison as well. A big guy that doesn't necessarily rebound the ball uh, well. So, I mean, it's pretty good comparison outside of the, the rim protection. Now that, now that you yeah. kind of say that, I saw they talking on Twitter. That's not bad, a bad comparison for him. But I think I think, I think, think shot blocking-wise and athleticism, I think that he could, could surpass him there. Um, I, I think offensively, I don't think he's going to be a guy that's, uh, you throw it into him, you get you a basket. I don't think he'll ever be that either. But again, I mean, they need a guy. They've shown that that Jonas Jonas cannot. It's not just not that guy. He just doesn't have the foot speed to guard the pick and roll. And again, Kai Jones, if he develops into his potential, I think he could be a really really good guy that could defend the pick and roll uh, in that vein. But then moving on to my next guy, um, and this is this kind of switching bases, kind of a guy that's in a different vein than what we've been talking about is Chris Duarte. Um, 
declined to come by an invite and is thought to have a possibly have a promise in the mid first round from from a team in, in NBA circles. Uh, not saying that promise is from the Grizzlies because that's not really how they operate, but it kind of fits their mo as they drafted older guys lately, guys that have been around, seniors that have that are able to, to step in from day one, and I think he definitely fits that bill. I mean, you love the size for the two guard at six six. 190, uh, 17.1 points per game, uh, 4.6 rebounds, a really good rebounder for a guard, 2.7 assists, 1.9 steal, averaged almost a block a game at the two-guard position, 81% free throw shooter, uh, 53% overall from the floor, uh, 42% from three on almost six attempts in 61, uh, 144 overall in 34 minutes per game. I mean, I, I love Chris Duarte. I mean, knockdown shooter. Man, he really doesn't miss shots. I mean, I, I remember you were looking at some some film over yesterday, and I was like, man, this guy really doesn't miss. I mean, he's extremely efficient. I mean, he can yeah, score man. from all, all score from all three levels. He can shoot it off the dribble. Uh, he can catch and shoot. Uh, similar to what we said about Bain last year. I mean, he might get put into a shooter box, but I mean, he don't discredit his slash game. Yeah, man, he yeah, slash he, to the basket. Can, I mean, yeah. he can do it all. I mean, I've got I mean, some stats here. So on, on last season, he was forty four point four percent on pull ups pull-up jump shots. He finished at a 63% clip at the rim. He, he, he's been, you know, he doesn't play a whole lot of pick and roll there, but he showed that he can play in the pick and roll and he can do it pretty well. So I, I hate it that we put guys in a box and, and Bain is definitely one of those guys that got put in a box because you watch that video of, you know, I, I can't remember what it was now, but he made an insane amount of threes. And, you know, he, he led the, uh, the combine by, a mile, a wild, wild you know, monster, yeah. for, you know, made threes. And so, you know, he, he got put in that box. And I think that uh, Duarte is one of those guys that he may get put into the box as a shooter, but you go back and you watch film on this guy and, he, and he's far more than that. Pretty good defender as well. He averaged uh, 2.7 combined defensive stats. Yeah. Almost a, almost, a, almost a block a game. Yeah. Yeah. From the shooter yeah. Position. That's, that's good stuff. I mean, he's a really good, really good one-on-one defender. Uh, so, I mean, he's pretty much the total package. I think, the, the negative to him, and I think one reason why he might drop, because I think this guy, skill-wise, would be a lottery pick. I think what stops him from being that is he's going to be 24 years old, and teams just don't like that. I mean, they're, they're at the top of the draft, and I think the Grizzlies have proven yeah. that they probably should look at that a little bit more, uh, because yeah. the, Grizzlies, the Grizzlies have really done a good job with that. With uh, you got Bain, Xavier Tillman as well, guys that are coming in that are a little bit older and able to step right in. Um, but I, I think they've shown that maybe you should look at these guys a little bit more, but I think that's kind of what's knocking him down. And also, he's not the biggest athlete. He's not a jump out of the gym or above the rim player, but again, man, he's highly skilled at everything else, and that's probably about his only negative. I mean, really quick release on his shot. I mean, I, I love Smooth, it. man. Yeah, I, I love Lord. it, man. Yeah, yeah, that's... um. You know, I, I hadn't seen a whole lot uh, on him until I started watching film, and, and you know, I told you before we started recording that you know, there was one night I'm just sitting here watching film and all of a sudden I look up and the sun's coming up. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> holy crap. You know, wasn't tired. Didn't feel like I'd been watching that long. And then, you know, I got, I went down a, a rabbit trail watching stuff on, on uh, Josh Giddy, where you know, I, I think I watched like two and a half hours of just stuff on him. So, you know, th- there's definitely a lot of talent here. I think we uh we we had six guys that we were going to talk about today. I think we're going to cut it short at four because uh, we're getting close to the hour mark. I don't want to run too long with them, and we'll just cover these other two guys that we had uh, on the next episode. Maybe we'll get another one in later in this week. 
Uh, we've been trying trying to work out schedules. It's a busy time of the year. Uh, they had the the Tampa Bay Combine, and then now they're at uh, yeah. the Pangos Camp. Pango, yeah, and all so kind of stuff going we, on. we have uh, we have draft ex- experts lined up. They're going to come on the show. We just got to find those windows. So hopefully we can get one in with uh, with one of the draft guys here coming up later in the week. If not, you'll get me and Isaac again. And, and I'll tell you this: I, I can promise you that I've done a ton of research on these guys, and I'm prepared to talk about them. I don't have much to add on on, uh, on Chris Duarte from from Oregon. Um, I think that he would definitely be a solid piece, and he fits the uh, he fits the build for what the Grizzlies have been doing, and not being scared to draft the older guys that have been around that have the experience that can step in and play. But just like we talked about beginning of the show, that's not necessarily something that they need. If no. you say say they draft him and they make no changes, like. Where do you find playing time for him? Where, where's he going to be at? And, and yeah, he's going to be down in down in yeah. South Bay and have the thirty a game, and that's <laughs> yeah. that's not yeah. what that's not what you want from. I mean, he's a guy that's ready to step in again. He's twenty four years old. He's probably looking for a situation where he thinks he can step right in and play. And with the roster constructed right now, that's not where they are right now. Uh, so so it'll be it'll be, it'll be interesting. That's kind of been the ammo, but this might be the year to change if they do stay at seventeen and. My, my comparison for him is a guy that I came up with is Derek White of the San Antonio Spurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy not not super athletic, but a guy that's skilled can can get it done from all three levels. Um, and, and that's kind of who he reminds me of. I'm trying to trying to come up with a guy again. I hate doing these. I hate these comparisons, but that's kind of I think that's a pretty good comparison for him. Yeah, I, you know I'll I'll do that next time because I didn't really you know I had that uh, the Miles Turner thing with Kai Jones. But it wasn't that I was trying to compare him to him. I just had somebody ask me about that because you and I had had that conversation on Twitter about uh, Miles Turner. And so I, I will do that. I don't have – I've got a guy my, – my last guy that I'm going to talk about, and then we'll, we'll get out of here, Isaiah Jackson. He's a 6'10 power forward center from Kentucky. Um, I do actually have somebody that that I'm okay comparing him with at the, the NBA level right now. Um, I, I like his rebounding. He he only he has six point six rebounds at Kentucky. That's not all that high, but he he reads the ball off the rim really well. He's got a yeah, seven three wingspan. To be a more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that he could be an elite rebounder based off of his his jumping ability because he, he's crazy athletic. Gets out and run on the break. Lob threat. Like I can just picture Ja throwing lobs to this dude and it being magical. You know, like I, I really like. Yeah, that that is, he he's insane. He led the SEC in blocks at two point six per game. Um, got the footwork, the lateral movement to be able to hold his own on switches against like upper level elite NBA guard talent. He's not going to be there. He he doesn't have that. Um, you know that, that's something Tillman showed us this year that he has the footwork and the ability to stay in front of even some of the best guards in the league. He done great. There was a, a play in the season where he got switched on to Chris Paul and ended up contesting the shot. Chris Paul missed it, and I thought for sure he was about to be barbecue chicken. Um, you know, so, so Isaiah Jackson, he has a lot of holes in his game, and the fact that he only shot two threes this year for Kentucky, missed both of them, um, made a lot of turnovers. Turnovers are not uncommon for NCAA bigs. That just happens. And then he – hunts blocks this dude wants to block every single shot if he is in the vicinity he is trying to block it and that got him into trouble you know gets him out of place 
you know, gets him in foul trouble. So, you know, there, there's things there that, you know, kind of make you worry, but he's 19 years old. And that, that is, you know, the, the per 36 on Tankathon has him at uh, 14 points, 11 rebounds, and, and almost five blocks a game. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if he got to the league and averaged two and a half plus blocks a game just because of the, the, the length, the wingspan, and his timing. He, man, I, I watched him. I could watch a compilation of his block shots from college over and over, like on an endless loop, man, because just some of the ones that he he would get beat on the defensive end, be completely out of place. Yeah, his and his length yeah, allowed him to block the shot. I'm like, yeah. oh, that's an easy bucket. And he blocked it somehow. So I, I really – this is more of a kid, I, I think, if they're drafting him, this is a swing it upside kid. My NBA comparison for him would be Mitchell Robinson. Um, yeah, Mitch I like Robinson that. With, with the, the Knicks. Um, you know, he's more of kind of a traditional big an aspect. He doesn't have much of an, of an outside shot, but great works hard on the defensive end. I think he's going to be a good rebounder and great dunker, you know, like just, you, you put him in the dunker position, you know, inside getting offensive rebounds, putting them back. I, I think that he is going to uh, develop into a nice piece for wherever he ends up. Yeah, just like Kai Jones, I think he, he he's a raw prospect offensively, but I think he's he's more the more developer of the prospects definitely. I think his potential defensively might even be higher than than Kai Jones. Um, like you said, good leaping ability, shot blocking ability. I think he has to he could be elite, um, yeah, he, elite shot blocker a, in the NBA. We we mentioned that, and I'll let you keep going. Shot blocking and rim protection. Isaiah Jackson is already a rim protector already at, at 19 years old, even though he's unpolished raw. He is a rim protector right now. Coming in the league, I think that wherever he goes, he can easily be out there. If he's not starting, if he's coming off the bench, he can be a rim, rim protector in the league right off the get-go. Yeah, we were talking about earlier, 6.6 rebounds per game. I think he has the potential to be uh, to go higher than that. I think he could be a really good rebounder as well uh, the more he develops. And a couple of things that I did like about him, because I've watched quite a bit of him uh, hating on Kentucky, uh, throughout the season, but uh, 70% from the free throw line, 70 plus percent from the free throw line, which is pretty good yep. for a big. And if you watch him, even though he is not an outside shooter, I think he worked, he, he developed a pretty solid mid range shot. Um, he can, can, can shoot it a little bit from mid range. So, the, I saw the work ethic there. Uh, he did develop a little bit of a mid range shot. Sometimes he tries to, to do a little bit mo- too, too much offensively inside. Uh, that I noticed that he definitely needs to add strength 16 206, but. Between between him and him and Kai Jones, I think Isaiah Jackson as a rim protector has the, the more potential. And again, man, a lot to work with there. Another another ball of clay, and again, kind of fits into that mold. The guy that you could could send down to the D League, the G League, to develop for a year. And um, again, I mean, I think really really high high upside for him. And I think he could be a a really really good big in the NBA for a long time. And if I had to pick between the two, I think Isaiah Jackson. I think he real he has a better chance of realizing his potential. Than Kyle Jones, uh, but but I think both of them. I like both of them, and I like the the raw the rawness of them, and, and I think could develop again into really high level players. I mean, I like Isaiah Jackson a lot. Yeah, man, it's. I don't think you go wrong with either one of those guys, but but I uh, I, I gotta agree with you. I think um, right now, 
I, I don't think that Isaiah Jackson ever develops the outside shot like you want to see from a big. But no, he's gonna be more of a traditional old yeah. school, old school type center. But but I I think that you do need guys that stretch the floor. Yes, I, I agree with that to a certain extent. But but I think just his athleticism and that lateral quickness, man, that that is something for the way that this game is played. That that's going to mean to be you can be a traditional big and get ran out of this league. I think Andre Drummond is a great uh, a great example of a traditional big that doesn't have lateral quickness. Yeah. You know, he 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 does a lot of things right, but he doesn't have the speed. You know, in a pick and roll, if he gets switched to a guard, it's, he's getting cooked. <laughs> and, and and these guys, Kai Jones and Isaiah Jackson, they're you know six ten, six eleven, but they they've got the footwork, they've got the lateral quickness that if they get switched onto a guard, they've at least got a shot. You know, they could go up, they can contest, they can you know rush that screen and not just give a wide open three if, if the defender goes under and they're fast enough that they can make up, you know, if that roller slips the screen, they can still get back and, and guard their man and not let a, an easy bucket happen. So a lot, a lot of good things from these guys, the two guys that we didn't talk about today. And again, you know, we apologize. It just, we, we got into that playoff discussion, took a little bit longer than I expected, but we will get these two guys, James Boatnight and Josh Giddy. Yeah, get it for Giddy, man. Yeah, we're going to get them in, man. I, I promise you. I just don't want to have a, a two-hour show for them here with our first draft show. So we, we, we'll get back to that. Um, I, I'm hoping one day later this week. I'm, I've, I've got a couple messages out waiting to hear back if we can get one of the experts on. But if not, later in the week, we will get you a second episode for more drafts, and those will be the two guys on top of the list, and we'll add some more to it. We yeah, appreciate man. you guys listening. You got anything else before we get out of here, man? Yeah, man. Real quickly, uh, Isaiah Jackson and Kai Jones, it, we talk about the shortcomings of, of Valanciunas. Both of these guys are potentially exactly what you would need from your other centers outside of JV. JV brings it on the offensive end, but these two guys are make up for what he – the shortcomings on defense for him. They would potentially be perfect fits to kind of complete what you need out of your center. So, I mean, that, that's kind of a thing there. And like and just like you said, man, we got lots of draft coverage coming up, man. We, I, I got a couple guys. You got some guys. We got all kinds of stuff lined up. So we're going to be talking talking a lot of draft, man. I'm, I'm excited about it. Again, that's my one of my favorite times. This is one of my favorite times of the year, man. And breaking down, talking about these prospects. So we got a lot more coming for you. All right, we're going to talk about our partners here at HoopBall, MyBookie.ag, the best online sportsbook out there. They have more lines and better odds for the players than anywhere else. You go over to MyBookie.ag, sign up using the promo code HoopBall. They are going to match your initial deposit 50% up to $1,000. So it's free money, guys. And there's no the, – the, the thing that I like about MyBookie is – I've put money in a bunch of different places and use promo codes and all this. And then there's a bunch of hoops you have to jump through. Like you have to place this amount of bets in order to get this money out. And my bookie doesn't have all that junk, man. They, they have a 24 hour live casino. If you want to go on and, and play whatever in the casino, you can do it. It's available to you. A lot of great stuff over there. Very easy to navigate works in all 50 States. Go over there, check them out again. The promo code is HoopBall. That gets you a 50% initial deposit match. Their motto is simple. You bet, you win, you get paid. They got 
a lot of different options whenever it comes to payout. If you want to like cryptocurrency, if that's what you're, you're wanting to do, you can get paid out in that. It's incredible. Go check them out. Use our promo code, get that match. It helps us out. We appreciate you. You can find the show on Twitter at Hootball Grizz. I'm at DWill2111. Isaac, let them know where they can find you, man. Let's get out of here. Yeah, man, you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals, I-S-A-A-C underscore Rivals. Man, go over to at Hootball Grizz. It's like David said, give us a follow. We appreciate that. And until next time, man, we got we got lots of draft coverage coming up. Until next time, go Grizz. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.